This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. I'm excited to interview our guest today, financial advisor Eric Miller. Eric has been in the financial planning industry for over 20 years. He is the co-owner of Econologics Financial Advisors. Did I say it right, Eric? You got it, man. All right. Awesome. And the chief financial advisor. He has a degree from Capital University and is a registered financial consultant and licensed insurance agent. Whew, that's a lot of things. You get your hands full, don't you? Uh, keeps my day busy. <laughs> Let's see. He takes pride in helping practice owners become the financial heroes of their own stories and has taken his passion to over 600 families in the past decade. During this time, he's had over 15,000 conversations with practice owners regarding money, investing, practice expansion, practice transitions, taxes, asset protection, estate planning, and helping them shape their financial attitude toward abundance. Econologics Financial Advisors is an Inc. 5000 honoree for 2019 as one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. So welcome, Eric. Hey, thank you. So, that's, a, that's a handful, man. You got Woo. through it and you did a really good job. <laughs> There's a lot of tongue twisters in there. So, you know, uh, listen, everyone, Eric and I, we've been talking and he knows that I've been interested, of course, in how to help dentists become more financially successful. You know, I've spent the last 20 years myself trying to figure out how to do that, obviously, on the front end a lot, whether it's, you know, production collections, all that kind of stuff, KPI, all those things we talk about. Mm-hmm. But, but also some on the expense side, but really Eric's got a great vantage point on really how to treat your practice like an investment, how to create wealth in it, and, and really how to value the practice when you're exiting and, and looking at it as, as a, a part of your retirement plan in, in a healthy way. And my, my original mentor said, and I don't know if you agree with this, Eric, but he said the whole point of a business is so that at some point at the end you sell it and you sell it for profit and you do it the right way. I don't know. Is that make sense? Uh, I, I do. I think you got to look at, you know, at this, at a business, you know, it's, it, number one, it's a creation that, that someone, uh, you know, at some point in time said, I, I want to create something of value, whatever that is. Right. Mm. And, and then you are now bestowed with the responsibility to make sure that this thing is going to create value, obviously for not, not just for your household, but for your, your patients, for your, your employees and such. But when you turn it over, I think the the idea is that you want to leave it much better than what you found it, and you want to make sure that the next owner uh, is able to carry on that that same legacy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think when you start having that that viewpoint, like I am, I'm the person responsible for this, so I'm going to make sure that this thing is is worth something, and then can be transitioned to somebody else for maximum value. Um, that that would be my mindset when we're trying to build something. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So let's, I guess let's look at this two phases because I really want to get into practice transition at the end. But you got my attention with something when you said how to create wealth outside of the practice. And I know that, I mean, I get clients who, you know, I think it's a small percentage, they go, I'm kind of burnt out on dentistry. I'm doing this over here or I'm trying this. How do you maintain dentistry as a passion, but also say, hey, I get it. You want to create some passive income or wealth outside of, out of the practice. What's, what's your advice on that? Well, I, you know, I think first things first, you know, the, 
when we look at a, at a, uh, at a, at a dentist or a practice, you know, the first thing I look at though is their household because their household, when you really look at it is the parent company. Uh, in corporate America, you have something called a parent company and those parent companies own junior assets that are there to serve the, the needs of that parent company. Well, your household is a parent company and your business is simply something that's there to to serve the the financial needs and uh, and the responsibilities of of the household does that make mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. uh so i usually start there just kind of making sure that the mindset uh of the business isn't there for me just to be trapped into it's it is a entity that is that's going to provide um, wealth. That's going to be the engine to me creating other income sources uh, outside of just that that particular entity. So that's kind of the first concept: is that the household's the parent company, and then you got to make sure that you set up the systems correctly so that the business cash flow can be um, channeled correctly uh, to the household. That so that you can create, you know, other income sources, passive income sources, other business entities, real estate, you know, stocks mm. and bonds, insurance product, what, whatever it is that 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 owner kind of like has as a as affinity for for when it comes to investing outside of their business. Um, but they got to make sure that the business is there to to really provide that 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 um, you know that windfall of cash to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I got to be able to buy all the crypto I want without any penalty. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, something's going to do it, you know, and uh, but that's where we usually we, we find that a lot of practice owners really aren't um, paying themselves as they should. Mm. And mostly it's in the form of what I call their 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 owner pay. You know, a lot of them pay themselves as practitioners. A lot of them may pay themselves as, you know, maybe executives. But I don't tend to find that a lot of them are, are, are really compensating themselves uh, that owner pay. And, um, you know, it's a very simple, there's a very simple method of doing that, if you want me to dig into that. Sure. Yeah, well, you know, I was just going to say, I think a lot of times they think, oh, I don't want to pay myself too much because then there's this tax <laughs> issue that I've got to pay taxes on. And, and so I'm afraid to do that. So I'm going to stay right around that, you know, $100,000 mark or whatever it is. Whereas if they were an associate getting paid 30%, it'd even be more than that, let alone the ownership part of it. So yeah, absolutely. Jump, tell us yeah. more. Yeah. So I, the, the first thing that, that I have every, every practice owner do is we have them set up an automatic and systematic method in which they take 10% of the practice revenue, mm -hmm. not the profit, mm -hmm. the revenue wow. uh, that is uh, channeled to some kind of a wealth building plan that is for the benefit of the household. Because look, nobody wants to be reliant upon their business uh, for the rest of their lives, right? Nobody, nobody mm -hmm. no dentist I've ever talked to has said, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be reliant upon my business or the sale of my business for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there has to be a method, a system in place so that you can do that. And that's been the most workable one that, that I found is actually putting it in as an, as an expense. Call it whatever you want to, call it your owner pay, call it whatever, but it is 10% of your, of your weekly practice revenue should be channeling to the benefit of the household for the specific use of creating other income streams. You can do that for 10 years, man. You will, you will never have any money problems hmm. going forward. 
That's great. And you you would help them figure out, well, you know, what's your vision, what's your goals, and, and what does that 10% go to, you're saying, too? You'd say, okay, that's going to go into this type of investment or whatever. Yeah, typically we have it um, uh, allocated into, you know, three different categories um, just based upon um, where I know a lot of uh, uh, dentists like to invest passively, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But um, first off, you know, I I usually say of that 10% that we have them uh, rip out, 30%, 33% would go into some kind of real estate endeavor. Um, uh, 33% would go into... Um, insurance, uh, some type of insurance products, and then 33% would go into maybe traditional wealth building, stocks, bonds, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is because I'm not one of those investment guys that's like tied to just like one philosophy that says that, you know, it's it's all stocks and that's it, or, mm. you know, it's all insurance. I'm like, no, uh, I found over the years that all of them have a very specific use and uh, uh, applicability. And as long as you're utilizing them correctly, there's not really a bad investment out there. It's just, is it, are you utilizing it correctly as it should? And um, those are, those are the three categories that we I got it. into. So that 10%, and I'm thinking as a dentist listening to this right now, how does it hurt me tax wise? Well, that's a whole other issue <laughs> because uh, I am good. I, my my goal is to give you a massive tax problem, right? And I think everyone should have the viewpoint of I want to have a tax problem. Give me a tax problem, because that leads into then, okay, how do, how does one minimize their tax liability? And uh, you know, there's there's tons of strategies out there that um, that are available that will allow you to do that. Mm. Um, but that's going to take, of course, making sure you have a good tax team, a good tax strategist, an accountant that just doesn't always say no to every everything <laughs> that, that comes down the pike. And um, having, and I, and I just say it like this, um, uh, minimizing your taxes is not a passive activity at all. You can't just sit back and think that my accountant is gonna is gonna make my tax bill lower. They're they're just not gonna do that. Yeah. Um, it is something that you have to be very very proactive about. Uh, you have to look at the tax code. You have to take advantage of deductions, and you gotta you know look at advanced tax strategies. They're out there. They really are. Um, but most people just their accountants say no 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 don't do that, and they just stop looking. Yeah. Yeah. And the price of that is, you know, 30 to 40% of your paycheck that goes away. Mm. Which you don't want to be dealing with, right? Nope, not at all. <laughs> all right. So what you're telling me is there is a way to take more money out of my practice like I should be and not have it kill me and feel like it's all just going to taxes if I do it the right way. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. There are, you know, there are uh, super advanced tax strategies that that dentists can use, especially if your income is probably like over four or five hundred thousand structures that you can set up. Uh, And I'm being kind of vague. I I can get particular in some of these things, but um, but they're out there. I mean, you just have to look, but your your income level does have to be at at a certain threshold for you to be able to do that. I personally would never restrict my income just because of fear of taxes. Now you yeah. live in California, man. I know it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just like 40%, 13.5% state tax. And I'm like, you know, you guys need it more than anything else. But, um, you know, there, there are certainly uh, methods out there to do that. And, 
you know, I can go through a couple of them if you want to. Well, no, I think it's just good for them to know that there are solutions. I mean, I, maybe I could practice. I'm not a dentist, but maybe I could, as a dentist, I could practice in California, but live in Florida. Maybe that's what. <laughs> have a hotel yeah. here. Or something. That would be a, that'd be a great yeah. idea, you know. Oh, but I, when, when someone says to me that there, but I, I think the thing is, is that don't take. Don't take the idea that there's nothing that can be done to minimize mm. your taxes. And certainly don't take lazy tax planning. Lazy tax planning is basically this. Um, and I, everyone, I'm sure a dentist has had this experience, which is at the end of the year, your accountant says, okay, you got two choices. You can throw all your money in like a, a 401k plan, uh, or you can spend money on stuff that you don't necessarily need. Yeah, that, that is super yeah. La- that's super lazy tax planning. Mm. Okay. So if your accountant says that you, you need to get a second opinion. Uh, <laughs> and I'm assuming you have accountants that you're like, Hey, this is where we go or, or you refer to, or is it just, Hey, search on your own and find a CPA that, that will get on board. You know, with it. I, it's, it's really this, it's, it's not only having a good accountant, it's having a tax strategists. Mm. Okay. There are tax strategists mm. out there that will, find certain areas of the tax code and they they specialize in 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 those areas Mm. and um i think that's that to me is where you have to get a little bit proactive is finding people that finding those tax strategists that uh that will take advantage of that Um, like i'll give you an example i know this is a bit prevalent in in industry but there's that there's there's something called a research and development tax credit i don't know if you ever heard of that before Um, but yeah r d tax credit so i mean but ask how many dentists are actually utilizing that i mean that that that's a credit that you know if you demonstrate that you're doing innovations and and uh improvements in certain areas then uh, you can you can get a tax credit for that, okay? Mm. But you got to pay someone to come into your office. You got to pay someone to take the time to do that. And but at the end of the day, you know it could be a ten, twenty, thirty thousand uh, dollar tax credit for you, okay? Mm. But it takes time to do that, and, you know. And I know a lot of dentists just don't have yeah. the time to do that. But yeah. that would be one example right there. Yeah, yeah. That's good just to be aware, just be conscious of, hey, I, I have to be fully aware of, you know, I have a bookkeeper. <laughs> I was talking to a client recently who pays the CPA a lot and come to find out the CPA nor the doctor were even balancing the checkbook and therefore lost money. And I'm like, well, who's doing this? You know, we need to get on on top of things. And and, and yep. embarrassingly, this has been a client that I've had for many, many years and how this slipped through my fingers, I don't know either. And you know, honestly, the only way we found out was one of the insurance companies sent a notice saying, hey, if you don't cash this check, uh, you know, it's gonna be voided after time. We're like, what? Where did this check go? And it was, you know, what happened was it was we were doing the digital scan. This client yep. was doing a digital scan into the, the bank and the bank never got the, received the deposits. There was never any deposit correction. And so it's like, you have to have a team of people who are on top of things and to hear about a tax strategist is I think great advice. I like it. So that leads me into the next hot topic that personally as a coach I've been dealing with, you know, having done this for 20 years now, clients I've had for this long are now moving to that stage of their career where they're ready to sell. And, and now it's this, Oh my gosh, there's this huge check that's going to come my way when I sell my practice and I'm going to be paying capital gains. That's what I keep hearing. How do yeah. I how do I avoid capital gains and all this kind of stuff? And obviously, it's better to be proactive than reactive. So, Eric, share us your with us just your thoughts on how do you do this in a way? How do you have a strategy in a way that doesn't kill us on the tax side? And how do we financially plan for this well and mm-hmm. exit 
so we we maximize the value of, of this transition. Uh, where do you want to go with that? Do you want to talk about the uh, the the exit part? Sure. Yeah, let's start there. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So uh, I mean, first and foremost, when you're when you're looking to exit, I mean, you got two questions to ask yourself. Number one, am I emotionally ready mm. for the exit? Um, number two, am I financially prepared for the exit? Mm-hmm. And those are typically the two questions that one would would ask themselves before I would I would even entertain it. I think the worst time to make a decision on whether to exit is when you kind of feel that burnout. You've probably heard that term before. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, for me, that 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 comes from people that aren't getting compensated correctly based upon all the hard work and effort that put they're putting into an endeavor. Um, but be that as it may, I would never, ever, ever, ever sell my business when I felt like I was burnt out mm. because uh, I can probably tell you that the value of that business is not going to be anywhere near as high mm-hmm. um, because people let things slip through the crack mm-hmm. and you're just not want to work as hard anymore. I'm not going to see as many patients and you start seeing mm. your revenue decline. And the, the last two years of your ownership, you want to see your highest growth rate and your highest profit margins at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if I'm a buyer, I don't want to buy something that's dying. Yep. And I'm certainly not going to give you uh, a fat paycheck or a fat check for something that's going like this. That's going Absolutely. downhill. You know? And I see it. I see it. I had a client tell me, and I was looking at the numbers. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm going, why is, why are these numbers going, the numbers going down, numbers going down. And finally he tells me, well, I stopped doing exams in the hygiene room. I'm yeah. like, what? Why didn't you we talk about this? <laughs> you just made this decision to stop doing exams. Like, where's the dentistry coming from? It's no wonder things are on a decline. And you, you, then I have other clients who contact me I haven't worked with. And in preparation for this, there's, all right, it's time for me to, you know, I need someone to kick me in the pants and get things going the right direction yeah. so I can build that value. And that, that's where they need to be. That's you, they need someone to do that prior to sell. So if you're, I mean, if you're, look, if your practice is really, really booming and, and humming and purring, and you know, and most people are like, why would I want to sell it at that point in time? Just because it's, <laughs> yeah. like, but that's that's the, that's the time you're going to be like, okay, this is where it's at its highest value. Sell high at that point. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think those are there's those are a couple things there. But you know, in in terms of 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 planning for the actual exit, obviously that's it's going to take some time. Um, and you know, for us, you know, we we specialize in making sure that the you know you have um, a, a good asset protection plan because you're going to get all this money. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you want to do is is keep your is open yourself up to a, an attack uh, of some kind, and um, you know, and just making sure that the the investments that you choose are going to be those things that are going to that are going to pay. They're going to pay you to own them. You know, when I look at an investment, that's a that's a big thing for me. It's like this thing better pay me to own it, mm-hmm. and um, and then you know not getting too super speculative. Um, obviously, you have if you have some extra money to do that, but just make sure that the the household is debt free, protected, has multiple income streams, and you're set for life. And then you can go on and do whatever you want to do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But I would have that plan. I would have that plan in place of beforehand. Oh oh, yeah, (laughs) that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I was going to ask you. uh, Yeah, the the worst thing that happens that I've seen is someone gets a check for five million bucks, or eight million Mm -hmm. bucks, or ten million bucks, or two million bucks, whatever it is, and it either sits in an account 
earning nothing because mm -hmm. the person's too terrified to invest the money. Okay. Or they go to their uncle Bob or, you know, some other person in there, you know, Hey, what do I do with all this money? And it ends up getting invested in ways. And you're just like, I'm you not sure. Posse's Ponzi, Ponzi scheme or something. You bought, you bought an oil well in Belize. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, let me mark that down. Yeah, don't buy a, an oil well yeah, in Belize. Don't buy yeah. an oil well in Belize. So, look, I mean, you can you can be intelligent. You can set aside some money for kind of like speculating in certain things, mm -hmm. but by and large, I would have ninety percent of that money allocated, knowing exactly where it's going to go um, prior to the sell. So that way, when the money hits your account, it gets deployed in these different investments, and you can just you know, move on with your life and do whatever mm. it is that you're going to do. Uh, yeah. Call me crazy. That just seems like a much more intelligent way to do it. Well, and there's, there's so much speaking from a dentist standpoint, you know, let's just use the average practice, a million dollar practice. Yeah. And the value is somewhere between 600 to $850,000. And so this, I have a client, he just told me he just bought a practice, like his third location. He's combining two into the third. He's very business savvy. Yep. But the seller, you know, he's old school and the seller's all panicky talking about how, you know, he's got this $700,000 check and he's freaking out about, oh no, he has a $700,000 bill uh, to pay for taxes. Capital gain tax, Capital yeah. gains. And he's freaking yeah. out about it. It's like, and the, the, the transactions already happened. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, for that sticker price, there has to have been something that he could have done beforehand so that it wasn't either that painful or he was just more prepared for it. I mean, yeah. what do you say to that? There, well, there are. And, and I think, you know, and again, I, I just got phone with someone too, that, that where they went to a number of people that said, no, there's, there's nothing you can do about capital gains tax. There's nothing mm -hmm. you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm like, man, there's always something you can do about it. So again, one of the, one of the specialties that, that we have is because I, I had this problem early on people start selling their business there, Eric, I got $2 million of capital gain tax. What do I do? So I have to start researching this, right? So I have to start mm -hmm. finding, you know, and then this is where I, I get in contact with tax strategists and, and um, there's something called a monetized installment sale. I'm going to kill you with financial terms here. Um, but it, and, and, and I'm not going to get into the details of it or anything like that, just so you know, <laughs> yeah. but it, it is a way for you to sell your business to be able to keep 93.5% of the sale proceeds up front and defer your capital gain tax for 30 years. Okay, now big corporations have utilized this strategy in the past. Mm. So it's not something that, that, you know, I'm just pulling out of my, you know what, mm -hmm. um, there is a right way. There's a wrong way to do any of these strategies. Mm -hmm. You need professionals to set these up correctly. You need a, probably an IR, uh, an attorney to write a letter to the IRS and all these things that need to be done. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're in California, right? So I'd say that you sell a capital asset, you're 40% of that, or at least 30, at least 35% of it's going to go bye-bye. Right. So <laughs> you can you can either you can either um, say, OK, well, we'll implement this strategy where I get to keep at least ninety three and a half percent of the sale proceeds. I still owe the tax in 30 years. I still have to pay the tax in 30 years, but I get the value of this money for that period of time to invest it how I see fit. 
and then I pay the tax in 30 years. So, wow. So yeah. Uh, yeah, you're blowing my mind right now. I'm, I'm, my fingers are on fire here. So in 30 years, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> I sell my practice at 72 in 30 years. I'm no longer here. So yeah. I guess you got that already figured out too. Yeah, we do. I mean, it would be something that would that would transfer to a liability to your estate. But really, all you do is either get like a, a life insurance policy of some kind um, that would that would be there designated to handle the tax situation if you died. That's I got what, it. That's, that's all you would do. Um, so it's uh, we've done probably I'd say maybe five or six of these, uh, and you know I've had people that have been able to buy beach homes and have been able to, you know, have, you know, an extra chunk of cash that they otherwise would have had to pay in capital gains. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, that's just good advice and, and it just gives people hope. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. I saw, I, I'm listening to this. I sold my practice. I got this capital gains. It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. So this is where, again, the, the, any any kind of uh, capital gain strategy, you have to make sure that you research and you do them prior to the sale. Because at the sale, when you actually sell the stock or the business or whatever, and you take receipt of the money, now you've constructively taken receipt of the money, the capital gain tax is owed. Um, but um, so if you're going to do any kind of planning like this, it needs to be done prior to the sale. And, um, you know, you need at least, uh, I'd say, a good month to prepare for something like that. Yeah, it, it can be done. It can uh, be done. Awesome. Awesome. I just love that you're giving people who are listening some advice to go, OK, so there's an option for me. I don't need to stress so much about this. I just need to find the right team and I need to be proactive about it. Right. Yeah. You just need to have people that are, you know, in, that are specialized in working with practice owners. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to me, that's always been kind of a key thing is that you work with industry specific people um, because they they have a lot of experience in working with other types of practices yeah. and they know the ins and outs. And um, I, I just think that's a much more intelligent way to build your team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, we all want to save money. We all want to take care of our families. Like you talk about the household. We all want to be uh, really thinking about how how the the end is of our of our business career is going to go. It, when is it too soon to be thinking about this or, or like I'm, I'm still paying off school debt and all this kind of stuff. Like what point in my career am I thinking about this process? Am I waiting until like you said, maybe the last two years or am I more now? I mean, is there, is there ever a time to say, Oh, it's too soon? No, I, I, I have people start right away. I have people start thinking about what their exit strategy is right away. And it doesn't mean anything else besides, uh, you know, the same reason why you decided to, to start a business um, would be the same reason that you would say, okay, how I'm going to exit out of this business to go to do something else. And so I think starting a transition plan um, would be something that I would start in any phase of ownership, even if you're just two years into it, or if you're mid-career, or if you're, you know, you're five years from retirement, there's nothing wrong with looking at and say, who's my buyer going to yep. be? Yep. What are the terms that I want to sell for? Um, and, you know, just kind of like write all this stuff down. Uh, you'd be surprised when you go back that you're like, wow, all this kind of lined up. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's too early to ever do that. 
Well, just like with life coaching or business coaching, executive coaching, KPI coaching that we do, it all starts with vision and goals and knowing what you want to do and having a plan for it. Obviously, there can be some roadblock to that, but what are the tactics to achieve those visions and goals? And you're just saying the same thing on the financial side. It's 100%. And, and the one thing you can control is the, is the value of your business. I mean, you do have control over that. You have control over, you know, new patients coming in, or you have control over um, your profitability. You have control over all the, you know, the, you know, the, the quality of your, um, uh, of your office, you know, how well it looks. Uh, you have, con- you have control over all the value of your business. You know, mm. you don't have control over a stock that you buy on the New York Stock Exchange, but you do have control over your business value. So I would spend, you know, 80% of my time just, you know, creating something that, that is going to be valuable to somebody else. And that would be the mindset. So true. So true. Love it. Love it. So as we come to the end of this podcast, this, this has really been educational for me. I've been taking notes <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Is there some, something that you would add to it? Say, look, you're listening to this, you're, you're, you're in the middle of, of selling your practice or you're at the stage of your career. What's the best piece of advice you could give someone listening right now? Or it could be anything, really. I would say this. Uh, the, I think the, the biggest issue that, that I see most practice owners op- they operate on the wrong numbers. And when I say that is that um, most people underestimate how much they need in income assets and resources to really live the life that they want to live. Mm. And I see a lot of practice owners that are not getting their business to its true facility capacity um, production level than what it actually could. Mm. Okay. So if I was, if I was someone, I would, I would really, the first thing I would look at is say, I have this facility. How much could it do? What's my potential in this facility? That'd be my number one goal. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I would make sure that the number I'm operating on, as far as what I need to create solvency is not, is not too low. And it includes my buffers, my profits, that 10% we talked about, my taxes, all these things, so that I know I'm not operating on the wrong numbers. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, there's there's two golden rules of expenses that we can end off with that I, I tend to find are, are pretty true. Um, number one, a business is gonna try to spend every dollar that it makes and then some, right? And um, But it will also make the amount of money it thinks it needs to make to cover its most vital expenses, okay? And um, so I, I think the way that you have profit, the way that you have reserves, the way that you can you know, do all the things that you want to do outside of the business is, is just make sure that you incorporate all of those profit centers as, as, as bills, treat them as bills, mm. you know, and you put them in there and, and, and it makes the number, the, the right number that you're operating with always with the goal of getting to whatever my my capacity level would be in my in my practice because that's going to provide the most value not only to your household but mm. to the value of the business as well so that would be where i would let me let me translate in into dental lease so mm. basically what you're saying is 
hey, I've got things outside the practice that I need to afford that will be profit centers for me. I need to include that as, well, I need to collect this much money for my business then. If I'm going to add those things on top of it, it's icing on the cake. I'm not just looking at payroll and lab and rent. I'm looking at that 10%, that retirement, whatever it is. Now I need to collect this much. Now I take that collection number and I say, okay, if I need to collect this much, how much do I need to produce? And what is my facility? What is my, my practice? able to do for me in order to achieve that. And, right. and so now this this is where I get excited because I can look at the numbers in a practice and go, wow, we're only producing this per patient, this per hour. Why is that? And then we start talking about things like, well, you know, we're taking X amount of time to see patients and, <laughs> and it's either too little, too much, or, uh, you know, case acceptance, whatever it is, there's inefficiencies in the business. And that's what we can help protect to get the production to a number so we can collect it so that you can help them advise on how to spend spend it properly to create those profit centers for the household. Exactly. You put a, a demand on a, on, a, on a business for money, right? Mm. That's what it's there for. Again, it's an asset of the household. So the household starts with here and says, how much money do the, does this household need to operate and do all the things they want to do? Okay, great. This is what my business needs to produce for me to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Am I, am I close right now? No, I'm, I'm $20,000 a month short from where I need to be. Okay, great. That's the problem. So now I got to bridge that gap. And just like you said, now we got to go in there and say, how many more surgeries do we need to do mm-hmm. a week? How many more patients do we need to see? Do we need mm-hmm. to up our prices? What do we mm-hmm. need to do to be able to do that? And that's the game. Yeah, that's the game. And, and if you're listening to this, I'll get on, on a soapbox for a moment. You have to stop feeling stuck because there is a way to care for people. You got into dentistry because you wanted to care for people. You wanted to get them healthier. And you have this self-imposed pressure to feel like I can't be too profitable. I don't deserve it. I don't have an abundance mentality with with income. You first need to get over that part of it and learn how to do it in in such a way that is a huge blessing to your patients, but it's equally a blessing to your family, your business, and your team. And that's doable. And you can do that without having to bend over backwards for insurance companies uh, by charging a fair price, by doing dentistry the right way, and without having to feel like you're selling people on something they don't, quote, need. And that's what we're here to help you with on that end. And people like Eric are here to help you with how to obviously benefit your whole household and, and get outside of your bubble. So this has been great. I've really enjoyed our, our, our fireside chat here. <laughs> you said that beautifully at the end, man. That was, that was, that was good. That was yeah. Good. People, people got to get out of their own uh, self-imposed <laughs> restrictions and, and that approval addiction to, to see that themselves being better. So, you know, obviously all star can help you with that when it comes to coaching. So you're welcome to, Email Heather at allstardentalacademy.com. We'll show you how we can help, whether it's KPI coaching, verbal skills training, everything to help you grow your practice. And then you've got Eric Miller here, people like this who can help you out. And they can go to where to, to look for you, Eric? So they can go to uh, econologics.com uh, or they can go to wealthfordentists.com. Nice. Wealthfordentists.com. That's easy to remember. I see what you did there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And for those listening, thank you for joining us and taking the time to invest in yourself. Obviously, we'd love it if you'd share this podcast uh, with your friends, uh, those that obviously can benefit from this sort of information. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. And next time, uh, let's make sure that we stay focused on how to make our practice just more successful and and give to others. But, But just be sure that you're taking care of yourself first in your house. 
Does that sound like a good summation, Eric? That is perfect right there. All right. So until next time, go out there and be an all-star. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.